Might have been why I chose you to read this week, Neil. <laughs> uh, but it is good. Welcome, friends. It is good to see you all today. You just have heard this passage, this very interesting story, this story of how Jesus chose the 12 disciples. And you also then know the title of this is to pray first. So pray first. This is the story. Now let me set the scene a little bit more, okay? A little bit more of what's going on in the midst of this story. So here's a bit of a map of the north end of the Sea of Galilee, okay? This is where this story takes place. And sometimes I like to kind of orient us where, where are we in the world? Where are we in Israel? And uh, this is kind of like a fun little like tourist map almost, okay? If you were to go to this area and this whole story happens up on the north part of the Sea of Galilee, somewhere in there. That is where more the Jewish people lived. If you look to the, to the right of this map, that is uh, this area called the Decapolis, these 10 cities, and that was the, the Roman area. It was these 10 Roman cities where they expressed their, their wealth, their entertainment, their power. And then to the Jewish people, it was kind of where these people that worship many gods, these pagans, would live. So off to that right there. And then, uh, and even if you see like Kersey National Park, I don't know if you can read that from where you are, but that's on the right. That area is where it's believed that Jesus, uh, he cast these demons out of this guy and they went into the pigs and then the pigs jumped off the cliff. That kind of area to the right. Then uh, on the far left at the bottom is this town Tiberius. Tiberius is where, it's a bigger city where the Pharisees were, uh, it's like their kind of their headquarters in this area. Also where the Herodians were. So it was this kind of government uh, and also sort of religious leader area. So a, kind of a place of power. But then the north area is like where Capernaum is, a lot of these stories, this area called the Mount of Beatitudes now, which is where like maybe people believe the Sermon on the Mount was, was given in that area. And then there's another one kind of above Tiberius by Magdala called Arbel, uh, which is another little mountain. So this story about Jesus goes up on a mountain to pray is somewhere in this kind of north, northwest uh, region of the Sea of Galilee. Now, this is what the Mount of Beatitudes looks like. They've kind of this traditional site where there's kind of like a big Catholic church on all these places in, in uh, Israel. And so you've got this traditional site where uh, they think the Sermon on the Mount was given. Now, this is beautiful, right? Look how even undeveloped and uh, just, just lush and nice this area still is. Imagine the Sermon on the Mount being given in this area. This is also kind of a hill. There's not huge mountains, like even not even mountains like Big Bear necessarily, right around the Sea of Galilee. It's just hills. But maybe he went there to pray. Maybe he went to that place, Arbel. This is Mount Arbel. Feels a little bit more like a mountain than just sort of this sloping hillside. And it's nearby. Jesus could have gotten away from everybody by going up on this hill, up on this mountain to pray. And then below, remember how it said at the end of the story, it's like then he went down to this flat area and then he talked to everybody and did healings and stuff like that. Maybe that was down at the bottom, that flat area. That's a little town called Magdala, which Mary Magdalene, she was from there, right? And so that's where these things are. But this is just a cool place. It's a place we go and pray on our trips to Israel. And uh, this is Mount Arbel from the Sea of Galilee, what that looks like. Uh, just kind of set the scene, put yourself in the place and have a little bit of a sense of, okay, where was Jesus? He's about to go 
and uh, choose his disciples. He's done these, these stories that we heard last week of healing people on the Sabbath day, and people are getting mad at him for it. He says, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. Then he goes up onto a mountain to pray. And it says he prays all night about something, and it was to choose the, the 12 apostles out of all of these disciples, it says. And you're like, okay, well, let's maybe set the scene of what are these words. So you have this word disciple that is used in this passage, and disciple is different than apostle. So a disciple is simply a student or a learner or a follower, right? That is what a disciple is, someone that is learning from someone else. And there's kind of like a system in this day where people, if they progress through, would then follow a rabbi around. And they'd follow in that, they say, the dust of the rabbi. They follow so close, they're within the dust of his feet and learning from his life and trying to become more like him. That would be a disciple, a learner. Now, this other Greek word for, uh, we see apostle here, is different. It's a commissioned representative. It's a sent one, an agent, someone that is a messenger for someone else. And so what's interesting is just, he says, out of all these disciples, he chooses the 12 to be apostles, these ones that are sent out. And it was thought of uh, in this time that people that are apostles of anyone, it is someone that is going out in the authority of the person they are sent. A disciple is just a learner, right? That's different. Like, you're just learning from someone. But an apostle is someone that's going out, and they go out and they say stuff on behalf of the one that has sent them. And they don't have necessarily inherent authority in who they are, but they have authority because of that king or that ruler or whoever has sent them out. So they're going out as a commissioned representative. And so he's like, these are going to be the 12 that are that for me. Now, we'll see later that they, they call some more people apostles. Apostles begins to be kind of used like those who were with Jesus at some time and are now going out and they are sent out by God. So, I mean, Paul, Barnabas, this woman, Junia, Epaphroditus, people are called apostles, all right? So we, we begin to see these other sent out ones. And the other way, I, I, I'm doing kind of a lot of scene setting here, but the other way I want to kind of set us up even before we get into the story is, well, let's think about these different groups of people a little bit because there's something sort of interesting happening here where Jesus is recognizing that he has crowds. There's crowds and crowds and crowds of people. I mean, we see these at the feeding of the 5,000, let's say, and they say that's the number that was really just the men. So then you're saying, okay, well then maybe that was actually more like 12 to 15,000 or something people. That's a crowd, okay, that's a big, big crowd. And I mean, that's almost like a basketball arena filled with people. And so you've got lots of people at times, crowds coming just to see Jesus, to hear from him, to experience a miracle, to even just witness all these things that he's doing. So you've got big crowds. Then you seem to have these this like large groups of followers or disciples, kind of like in this story. There's a large group following him around, but they aren't necessarily the 12 that we think of as the disciples, right? In our sort of, this is like we've been raised to think the disciples are the 12. Now, so there's a large group of these. Then you see some other times where Jesus 
kind of breaks his people out into like, uh, like some smaller groups, but still kind of big. And one of those is around 70. And so you've got 70 that are sent out. They're preaching the gospel of the kingdom. They're doing miracles, all sorts of cool stuff. They're sent out by Jesus. But then he chooses the 12, these 12 to be his core disciples, the core apostles, as it says in Luke 6 here. Now, 12 is not just because he wants a nice small group. It's some significance there as well about him as the king having the 12 tribes of Israel represented in these core followers as he is establishing a new kingdom, a new covenant, a new thing is happening here. And so Jesus is doing all of that. There's a lot of significance of the 12, but he's also like focusing in on this smaller group of 12. And then he focuses even smaller than that on three people, Peter, James, and John. So he recognizes that he has this finite amount of time while he is incarnate while he's in this human body, fully God, fully man. He's only got a few years here in this season of his ministry. And he, how is he going to use it? He's going to focus in on these 12, then on these three, and then a lot on Peter even himself as this leader that he is developing. And so like take that in, recognize that, but even take that as a bit of just a sort of life lesson for yourself as well. Like Okay, Lord, like not a lot of us are thinking about huge crowds of people, but we recognize we have a finite amount of time in this life. How will we spend it and with who? We can't spend it on everybody. We can't focus on everybody. We need to be able to say, Lord, who have you called me to spend this finite amount of time with in this world to pour out, to give away what you have given me? That is what we are called to do. That is what Jesus did. But how did Jesus choose these 12 people? He prayed all night. <laughs> he prayed all night. He literally actually did that, okay? He prayed all night. Probably not part of many of our regular practices, praying all night for some sort of big decision that we might have, but that's what Jesus did. And so he prayed all night. And I, I want to even here sort of talk a little bit about what he didn't do, okay? We know he prayed all night, but here's some things he didn't do. He didn't collect resumes. He didn't think about, all right, you know, let's, let's go ahead and get like, see who's kind of the best and brightest here in uh, northern Galilee region. He didn't go to Tiberias and find those those Pharisees or those government leaders. He didn't go to the, the big, you know, leadership centers and find all those kind of people. He didn't do that. He wasn't checking credentials. In fact, maybe he checked credentials and was like, yeah, I'll take these, these ones with the worst credentials. I'm not sure exactly how he did that part, but his, his guys were the opposite of what people would have thought of as the, uh, you know, the, the leadership gurus uh, people of that time. And so, like, that's where he doesn't do any of that. He also doesn't do this stuff in the way that everybody said you were supposed to or in the way that everybody was, the way that uh, disciples and rabbis would get paired up. He didn't do it that way at all. There was actually a way you were supposed to do this. And you see some of this 
here, like this typical sort of synagogue school process that would happen in this time. And so even just for you to kind of understand what they were supposed to do and then see what Jesus did. So from age five to 12, there was this time where all these Jewish kids would gather and they would have school, all right? And it was Bet Sefer was this whole early time that was the house of the book, kind of their elementary school, but it was very much all about learning about faith, religion, the Torah. It was all about studying the first five books of what we call the Old Testament and pouring into the Torah, memorizing it, and so much of this happening in their life. And then what happens then is at age 13, these people go and the, the boys would go into the trade of their father. And now, unless they were a really gifted student, and those especially gifted students in this, in the Torah, would then enter that next phase, which was called Beit Midrash, which is the house of interpretation, the house of study, where then they would start to learn about how to interpret the scriptures. They have these kind of intense Q&As with their teacher, and how do we apply this to life? How do we work out the law in everyday life? And so they'd go into that during that sort of adolescent period, and then you would go into uh, you know, even sort of the, the best of those would go into what's called Beit Talmud, which is to become uh, this house of the disciple, which where they would go around and find the rabbi that they liked or respected or whatever and go and choose to follow them and kind of hope they were accepted and match up in that way. And then they would follow them around until they at around, at about age 30, would be able to take on their full role of ministry as a rabbi themselves. Now, Jesus is here at age 30, bringing on disciples, so he enters it that way, but Jesus is not going around to the Beit Midrashes and finding all the good students and saying, all right, follow me. He's not joining in with the other rabbis and saying, choose me, choose me. No, he is going around and saying, come follow me, come follow me to all these people. All these people are following him now, walking around with him where he goes, seeing what he does. He prays all night and then chooses the 12. He chooses them. They don't choose him in this way. He, I really want you to get that he prays all night, okay? He prays all night. No wonder he took naps on their boat rides in storms, okay? He prays all night. And uh, I'm also, you, you know, make that joke, but you recognize that he prays all night, and you'd think he'd be exhausted. The next day, what he does is he chooses the 12, kind of a big moment. Then he goes around and starts healing a bunch of people. And then it's the very next text. It says, then he goes and preaches the Sermon on the Mount. And you're like, oh, okay. Maybe a night of prayer doesn't exhaust you. Maybe it energizes you. And that's what we are empowered by is prayer and time, intimacy with God, the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives to do those significant things, to sort of step up in these significant moments comes from the power of prayer. And so Jesus prayed before making these big decisions. And I wonder if that's part of your natural rhythm in life. What did Jesus do? Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed. And I think about, okay, what does praying all night look like? Like, is that prescriptive? Is that what I'm supposed to do? Am I supposed to pray all night about stuff? Does that prayer look like I kind of sit down and, you know, head bowed, hands folded together and say a lot of words? Is that what that prayer looks like? 
Or, I don't know, I try to, it's conjecture, right? But I'm trying to think, like, is that prayer kind of presenting this, this need and it's spending some time listening? Um, you know, for me, like even this morning, I'm doing my little prayer walk around the church that I do uh, every Sunday morning. And I was kind of like, I was kind of realizing like, yeah, I, I pray, but then sometimes I'm just sort of walking and I'm quiet and I'm listening or I'm just being with, right? Being with God. This, maybe this was just like a time of intimacy with the Father. Sometimes I think it might be even, have you had those, when you have a, a big day or you're stressed out about something coming up, I don't know if Jesus, I don't think he was stressed out necessarily, but he's got this big thing happening. And I wonder, like that restless sleep that you would have where you, uh, where you wake up every 20 minutes. And I don't, I don't know about you, but for me, when I have those sorts of nights, for me, it's become an invitation to prayer. When I have those nights I can't sleep, it's an invitation to prayer. And what actually is happening is you're sort of like in and out of sleep and awake and sleep and awake, and I'm kind of like praying and then I'll drift off and praying and then I'll drift off. And, you know, but it's kind of this restless because I've got this thing that's stirring around in my head and I, I'm praying, but I'm kind of drifting back and forth. I, I don't know, I wonder if that was what it was like for Jesus. I really don't know, but it could have been something like that. I don't think it was just this, you know, the whole, the whole night, what, what that could have looked like. I think of, I don't think of Jesus as stressed in this moment, but I think about what Jesus was calling these men to do. This was not just come and see, this was come and die. He is calling these 12 not to, they're not winning the lottery by being chosen here, you guys. We might think, oh, I wish I could be a disciple. All these people suffered and died for Jesus. Like that's, intense. And I think Jesus has a sense of that or knows that. And he's praying through that. And he he's, knows what he's calling them to. He's praying all night for that. I don't know if he's praying for wisdom, if he's praying for names, how God and how the Father and the Son sort of worked that out during this time that Jesus was on earth. We don't know. But we know that he prayed and he prayed all night before one of these biggest decisions. And so then you think about like he he does all this, like all night. He's praying, he's praying, praying. And it says then that he calls all of the disciples around him. He's been up on a mountain, and then he calls all the disciples around him, right? It's not just he calls the 12, and then they're there all of a sudden. And, you know, he sends an email, and they show up. It's like everybody shows up. And so everybody shows up. And I just sort of imagine it like in a room like this. And Jesus is like, all right, I prayed all night. All right, Simon, you're going to be called Peter now, by the way, but come on, let's go. Uh, you know, Matthew, you're going to be Levi. Or, I mean, Levi, you're going to be Matthew now. And he's going around, and he's calling, and he's pointing out these people. Hey, you. It's going to be you. You. No, not you. Sorry. Just kidding. <laughs> but, you know, that's where it feels brutal. But, like, that's how it was. It was in front of everybody. And he's calling all these different people to himself. And I wonder if there was, like, a guy that's like, you know, he didn't get picked. He's like, dude, I can't. Could have been better than Bartholomew. There's not even a story about that guy. Like, come on. Like, I could have done better than him. Or, or you know, I, I don't know if he's just like, there's two Jameses. I don't know anything about the other James. Like, I could have been better than that guy. And he's like, Judas? You picked Judas over me? Like, come on. That's not fair. And then there's this other guy named Judas. And he's like, it's not me. I'm not that Judas, right? Like, there's, there's all these guys. There's all these situations. And Jesus goes out and he calls these people to follow him. And I just, so I just wonder what the other people were thinking and wondering. But they continue to follow him. 
Maybe that guy was one of the 70, 120, I don't know. Like, he's one of these other groups of people and what that looks like. And it's even sort of amazing to me that somebody like a Bartholomew is one of the 12. And it's like, one of the 12. And we really, like, don't know anything, right? Like, it's wild. Some of these other people we just don't know much about at all, yet they were one of the 12. They are humble, they served, they followed, they learned, and then they went out and shared the gospel with others. So this is what Jesus did. What about us? What about us? What do we do? I want you to understand this very clearly. We are all called and commanded by Jesus to make disciples. This is part of what we are about. This is a non-negotiable. We are called and commanded by Jesus to make disciples. That's what we are supposed to do. So, okay, weird word. It's a word we don't use that often. So, like, what does disciple mean? What does discipleship mean a little bit? I want us to kind of understand this, even like how we want to talk about this here at Calvary. So a disciple is one who loves and follows Jesus. Okay, a disciple of Jesus is one who loves and follows Jesus. That we are, we love Jesus. It's a core part of this. And there's a reason we place that as a core part of this definition. One who loves and follows Jesus. So we're learning about him. We're following him. It's not just about him. We don't just know about God, but we actually know God, right? But we love and follow Jesus. Now, like before I even read the definition of discipleship, to think through these key scriptures on the bottom there. Matthew 4.19 is that passage that where Jesus says, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. Okay? Jesus calls us, come, follow me, and then I will make you. Jesus says, I will make you. We don't like, you know, it's the power of God that makes us. And then what, do we, what does he make us into? Fishers of other people. So we're to make disciples who make disciples. That's part of this. It should be multiplying. Okay, it's not just us to learn and get fatter. It's to help others to become part of this. Then uh, John 13, 34 to 35. And even one I didn't list here, but just the greatest commandment, the first and second greatest commandment, um, Jesus says, is to love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor, right? And with all of your being, love God, love your neighbor. Those, that's the greatest commandments that we have. And then in John 13, 34 to 35, it says, Jesus says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Okay? How do we prove that we are disciples of Jesus? We love one another. All right? That's the way. And so this love God, love neighbor, love one another that shows we are disciples. And then the Great Commission is that Matthew 28 verse, which Jesus again says, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, he says, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so with those scriptures in mind, we recognize we are to love God, love neighbor, love one another, go out, make disciples, 
teaching them like all these ways to follow Jesus. And so discipleship is learning to love like Jesus by giving away what we've received. We've received the gospel. We've received the good news of Jesus, of salvation in him. And so we give that away to others. We share that with others who've not yet heard that message. Then we've had people that have helped us in our walk with God in some way. Maybe they've helped us learn how to read the Bible, and we help someone else. Maybe they've helped us learn how to pray. We help someone else. We give away what we received. Maybe they've helped us, oh man, how do I live for God in this workplace that I'm in? How do I be a light for Christ? It's like, I've got all this stuff that I'm supposed to do here and ways I'm allowed to do it or not allowed to. How do I work that out? Someone sort of helps you along with that and then you help others. We give away what we've received in all of this life of following Jesus. So I really want us to like grab onto that and recognize though that this is a command and a call. We are all supposed to do this. We are called to do this. And so that is, this is really a new thing, not a new thing, but it's sort of a, a new old thing that I want for us, okay, as a church. I've been going around, I've been talking to a lot of you, I've been going to all these different life groups talking about this, I've been talking about it with elders and staff and pastors and everybody, I've been praying about this, talking about this. Like, what do we really wanna be about in this next season as a church? And for me, it's this. This is what I want us to really be about. We've been growing in dependence and on God through prayer, so we are dependent for discipleship. Jesus prayed all night to choose who he would pour himself into. I want us to be a people that pray all night for who we will pour ourselves into. But I also just want our church to be a little less spectator, a little more participant, right? A little more, a little less me to you and a little more you to one another, okay? That that's ministry, that that's discipleship, that's being the church, you sharing your faith with others, making new disciples, and then you helping people sitting next to you grow in their faith. And guess what? You all have something to offer, no matter what you think about yourself. Because my thing is I went to all these different groups this year and I've been talking to a lot of you about this. The biggest thing that kind of blew my mind was how many people don't feel qualified. And let me tell you, you're not. You're fine. Jesus has you. He's got you. You are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do this, not empowered by yourself. You don't have what it takes in and of yourself. You are a sent one, a commissioned representative in the authority and the power of the one who has sent you. So rest in that and stop looking down on yourself. We can do this. We will do this. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And so this is, like, we're going to talk about this a lot more in like the months and hopefully years to come. Even we're going to talk about this a lot more in the few weeks of July as well, talking more about this. Uh, but this is what we want to kind of pour ourselves into as much as possible. But, you know, you, you, you know you're supposed to do this, so how do you prepare to choose who you should disciple? You do what Jesus did. Jesus prayed. So you pray, and you listen, and maybe you pray all night. You pray, and you listen, and you ask God, Lord, who would you have me 
give away what I've received. And you might feel new. You might feel new in your faith. And guess what? Even when you're new in your faith, you have something to offer to someone else. Sometimes even more. Like sometimes it's like, oh, it's radical. And so I encourage you, no matter where you are, that you have something to offer. But pray and listen, Lord, who and how? Who and how? Lord, how do I do this? What do I do? And so we want to pray. We're even going to practice a little time of prayer here in a moment. But before we do that, I want to just show you one little like, way we want to help, at least now. We're going to be talking about lots of different ways that we can kind of come alongside and prepare you for this. But um, we're going to do something kind of like, uh, just, I don't know, something kind of fun, I think. But we're going to have a summer book club, okay? So a summer book club in this book called uh, What If Jesus Was Serious? Here's the thing, I don't care that much about the book. I care about you doing this because I want you to talk to people, okay? So the book's great, the book's fine. It's, it's really cool. It's called What If Jesus Was Serious by Sky Jatani. It's based on the Sermon on the Mount. It's real simple, it's got pictures. You'll all be fine, okay, I promise. Like all of you, like even you, it's, you're gonna be fine. And, and so like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, you, 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 can, you guys can read and pour into this book, look at the pictures. And then what I want us to do uh, is then to have somebody that you have this summer, maybe it's one person, maybe it's a group of three, you know, one, three, 12, I don't know, like something like that, where you get together and you talk about it, okay? And you help like, hey, how'd this hit you? How'd this hit you? How's this helping you like follow Jesus more? Well, here's the, how it's helping me. And just talk about it and begin to practice what this looks like to disciple one another. And so we've got these books. They'll be available for today. Again, selling these books, like we got these books at a good deal so you can have them. I don't care if you don't buy the book. Just re read the Sermon on the Mount and gather with people and talk about it. That's what matters to me. There's like some stuff in, in these books here that you could just read too. But we wanted to just give you something kind of like fun in a way that we could have this like summer book club thing. So these are available in the lobby and in the bookstore. And it's genuinely, it's 10 bucks. If you only got five, pay five. If you got nothing, pay nothing. They're all prepared to be like, hey, I just, I don't have any money, but can I have the book? Just say that, boom, you're done, you get the book. Okay, so it's just, it's fine. Uh, we want you to have it. We don't care how you get it. Just, but the point is, get together with people. Get together with people and talk about it and begin to practice what this looks like to help sharpen one another, all right? So that's, that's the goal. Now, we all have, you can find out some other ways, like we're trying to do some things even where uh, three Sundays in July, I'm just gonna hang out in one of the pergolas out here on the courtyard and, and at the 11 o'clock time, and I'll talk about it with anybody that wants to talk about the book. And if that helps you kind of, oh, okay, I can go do that with somebody else, then great, right? Matt Doan's gonna do a couple of those on uh, Wednesday nights in August. Just kind of like, hey, here's some ways that you can just have some time to gather, to learn, uh, just to, to chat about this stuff. But the thing is, I just want us to get out and begin helping others, giving away what we've received. You've read the chapter, you've looked at the pretty pictures, you can help someone else understand that as well. <laughs> we can all do this, I promise. And, and so we wanna be a people who are discipling, but we wanna be praying about who and praying about how. And so that's what I want you to practice. That's my challenge to you. And also we're gonna try that for a little bit right now, okay? We make you pray sometimes here at Calvary, which is good. We're not gonna make you get in groups or anything, but what we are gonna do is even just right now, spend a couple minutes in just silent prayer and reflection and listening for who you should disciple 
and how you should disciple them. I hope this is a springboard to you praying about this more. Two minutes here isn't necessarily all night, (laughs) but I'd love for you to pray more about this after this, but begin to pray about who and about how. So I'm gonna just kind of open here and then I'm gonna let it just be quiet and just you talk to God and you listen to God for a few minutes and then I'll close this and we'll head into a time of worship. But this is just an introduction. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we see your example. We see how you prayed all night before you chose the 12. So we wanna follow in your steps, Lord, to pray, to listen, to wrestle with you, God. And I pray, Lord, that you, Lord, through your spirit, would speak to your people. And may we have ears to hear, Lord, what you've said in your word and what you will say to each one of us. May we be attuned to your voice and your spirit, God. We love you and we listen now. Let's spend a few minutes in silence. So, Lord, we, we ask for
for you to guide us. But even first, Lord, I, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would help each person here in this room and watching this service to believe, to believe that as you have called and commanded, you will also empower and equip, Lord. You have given us so much. And so we simply want to give away what we've received, to share what you have so richly blessed us with, with how to live this Christian life, how to know you, Lord. I pray, God, that you would continue to speak to your people. This is a prayer I don't want to say amen to because we just will leave it open-ended. Let's continue to be in a posture of listening to you for the answers on who and how, God. So for all things, we depend on you. Even as we talk about the giving stuff or other needs of our church or dreams that we'd have for people in our lives or for young, young boys being dedicated to you, God, we are just completely dependent on you. And then, Lord, we want to disciple out of that dependence, God. Show us the who, show us the how. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening.